This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, December 11th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. By almost every measure of human well-being, the world is a better place to be than at almost any time in human history. Still, pessimism remains. Harvard psychologist Steven Pinker at an event for Cato's HumanProgress.org project described why he thinks the bad news is beating out the good. My own interest in this topic began... Uh, when I started to become aware of some data on the history of violence and uh, compared them with the conventional wisdom. I did a internet survey, which I asked people, I gave people binary choices of uh, two different periods in history, and I simply asked them to estimate which one was more violent and by uh, how much. So tribal warfare or 20th century warfare, that is, which had a higher rate of death per capita, Medieval England or modern England, war in the 1950s or war in the 2000s, America in the 1970s or America in the 2000s, and here are the results. On this graph, um, bars uh, stretching to the right indicate estimates that the present was more lethal and the numbers, I don't know if this shows up, no it doesn't, okay, the uh, numbers refer to the ratio of rates of violence in the more recent period compared to the um, more um, uh, ancient period. And you can see that people estimate that the present is more violent than the past by anywhere from 1.5 to 1 to uh, 5 to 1. Uh, These are the actual data in each case. And in uh, every case, uh, the sign of people's estimate is in the wrong direction, namely the past was more violent, and by a lot. In some cases, the past was uh, 40 times more violent than the present. Uh, this was what led to my book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has uh, Declined. But I, uh, it was not the end of my encounters with pessimism. Uh, after writing a book on war, genocide, rape, uh, torture, sadism, and so on, I thought I would take on some uh, controversial issues, uh, (laughs) namely split infinitives, dangling participles, prepositions at the end of sentences, things that really get people worked up. And there, too, I found widespread pessimism. If uh, when I uh, just told people what I was, that I was writing a book on uh, why writing is so bad and uh, how we might improve it, the universal reaction is that writing is getting worse, uh, that the language is degenerating. And uh, there are a number of popular explanations for this alleged fact. Uh, Google is making us stupid. Uh, the digital age has produced the dumbest generation. Uh, Twitter is forcing us to write and think in 140 characters. Uh, but then I asked people to stop and think. If this was really true, then uh, things must have, the dumbest generation theory implies that it must have been better before the digital age, say in the 1980s. And those of you who are old enough remember the 1980s. That was the age in which, as we all remember, teenagers spoke in articulate paragraphs, uh, bureaucrats wrote in plain English. Uh, Every academic article was a masterpiece in the art of the essay. Uh, Or was it the 1970s? Uh, But the fact is, if you go back to the history of commentary on the state of the language, you find that people were pessimistic in every era. 1961, recent graduates, including those with university degrees, seem to have no mastery of the language at all. Well, maybe you have to go back to the era before uh, radio and television, such as 1917. 
From every college in the country goes up the cry, our freshmen can't spell, can't punctuate. Every high school is in disrepair because its pupils are so ignorant of the merest rudiments. Well, maybe you have to go back to the uh, age of the European Enlightenment, 1785. Our language is degenerating very fast. I begin to fear that it will be impossible to check it. And then there are the ancient grammar police. Oh, for crying out loud, you never end a sentence with a little birdie. <laughs> so uh, above and beyond the psychology of violence and the psychology of uh, language and writing, there, uh, an interesting question for a psychologist such as myself is, uh, why, what is the psychology of pessimism? Why are people always convinced that, uh, that the world is going downhill? I'm going to suggest this morning that it's a combination of uh, a number of uh, elements of human psychology, in particular a number of emotional biases and cognitive biases, interacting with the nature of news. So let's start with the psychology. There are a number of emotional biases toward pessimism that have been well documented by psychologists, uh, <clears throat> often summarized by the slogan, bad is stronger than good. This is the title of a review article by Roy Baumeister that came out a dozen years ago, in which he reviewed a wide variety of kinds of evidence that people are more sensitive to bad things than to good things. Losses are felt more keenly than gains. <clears throat> if you lose $10, that makes you feel a lot worse than uh, the, uh, uh, the amount uh, by which you feel better if you gain $10. <clears throat> or as Jimmy Connors once put it, I hate to lose more than I like to win. Bad events leave longer traces than good ones in terms of uh, mood and memory. Criticism hurts more than uh, praise encourages. And this is just the tip of an iceberg of uh, psychological phenomena in which the bad outweighs the good. Bad information is uh, processed, whoops, sorry, I got, got that cut off at the bottom of the slide, is uh, processed uh, more attentively than uh, good information. Well, why is bad stronger than good? Um, I suspect that, the, that there is a deep and profound reason, uh, namely the second law of thermodynamics. That is, that there are uh, more ways in which uh, the state of the world can be disordered than ordered, almost by uh, definition, or in the more vernacular version, uh, shit happens. Uh, there are a lot more ways in which something can go wrong than something can go right. So here's a question. This was uh, originally posed to me by uh, my uh, late colleague uh, Amos Tversky when I was at Stanford. Uh, how many, uh, just imagine, this is a little thought experiment. As you leave this conference, how many really good things could happen to you today? Just let your imagination run wild, the best things that you could imagine. Okay? Now, how many really bad things could happen to you today? Imagine all the terrible things that could happen. And I think you'll agree that there's, the, the second list is longer than the first one. And not surprisingly, a, a, um, this probably has left a mark on our psychology. And uh, Tversky uh, also posed the, the uh, following two thought experiments. How much better could you feel than you're feeling right now? Again, try to imagine how much happier you could be. Now, how much worse could you feel than you're feeling right now? Uh, I, I, you don't even have to do the experiment. <laughs> There's also uh, an asymmetry of uh, payoffs in terms of the um, reaction to the possibility of good and bad things. 
what is the average cost of overreacting to a threat? Well, it's, uh, it's not zero, and we all can document cases where we have paid in foregone opportunities or in other resources for reacting to a threat that never happens. But what's the cost of underreacting to a threat, such as a, an accident, a predator, uh, a disease, and so on? There's a hypothesis, not so easy to prove, but I think quite plausible, and I bet it could be uh, proven, that for most of human evolutionary history, the fitness cost of underreaction is, was much greater than the fitness cost of overreaction. That is, that the typical threat in the environment in which our brains evolved uh, was probably greater than it is today, now that we have um, exerted technological mastery over so much of our local uh, environment. The implication would be that our current psychology is tuned, uh, is tuned to a world uh, that was more dangerous than the world that we're in today, and that therefore our sense of risk and fear and anxiety is uh, not optimally tuned to the objective risks that we face today. Now, a second, uh, this is, uh, could be multiplied by a second source of bias, uh, sometimes called the illusion of the good old days. Um, People always pine for a uh, golden age. They're nostalgic about uh, an era in which life was uh, simpler, more predictable. And Roger Ibeck has argued that this is because people confuse change in changes in themselves with changes in the times. Now, as we get older, there are just certain things that inevitably uh, happen to us. We take on more responsibilities, so we have a greater cognitive burden. We become more vigilant about uh, threats, especially as we uh, become parents. I mean, one of, the, one of the experiences of a new parent is they never realized how much the world is filled with threats and dangers. You know, an empty paint bucket could be a uh, lethal to a toddler. Uh, we become more sensitive to more kinds of errors. This is certainly true in language. As you become uh, more literate, as you consume more printed text, you become more sensitive to some of the fine uh, points of punctuation and spelling and grammar that you may not have noticed when you had consumed less text, and so you're more likely to notice it, notice errors in uh, text that you process in the future. And at the same time, we see our own capabilities uh, decline. We become stupider as we get older. Uh, in terms of just sheer ability to process information. Uh, and there is a strong tendency to misattribute many of these changes in ourselves to changes in the world. And the number of experimental manipulations that bear this out, if you have people uh, um, try to make some change in their lives, say to eat less fat, then they are convinced that there are more and more ads for fatty foods. If you ask them to reduce carbohydrates, they're convinced that the number of ads for high-carb foods goes up. Uh, and uh, 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 so it's an, an experimental manipulation as well as a uh, post hoc observation. Now, uh, it would be a little hypocritical if I said, you know, more and more today, people pine for the good old days. but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but there's reason to think that this is not a recent phenomenon, that the good old days illusion is itself nothing new. In 1777, David Hume noted that the humor of blaming the present and admiring the past is strongly rooted in human nature. Uh, and I think another one of the causes, on top of the emotional biases that I have uh, reviewed, was suggested a century earlier by Thomas Hobbes, who wrote, pithily, competition of praise inclineth to a reverence of antiquity, for men contend with the living, not with the dead. 
That is, criticizing the present is a way of criticizing your rivals. Uh, and that ties into the third emotional bias, which is the psychology of moralization. People compete for moral authority. Who is more noble? And critics are seen as more, uh, more morally engaged than apologists, or people who are simply apathetic, particularly regarding contested ideas and institutions in your local social community. And uh, people identify with moral tribes. What you think is uh, uh, worthy of moralization identifies which group you affiliate with. And so the factual question, is the world getting better or worse, is, has become a referendum on modernity. That is, on the uh, gradual erosion over the centuries of family, tribe, tradition, and religion and uh, giving way to the forces of individualism, cosmopolitanism, reason, and science. So your factual belief on whether the world is getting better or worse is a uh, litmus test for your moral beliefs on what kinds of institutions and ideas make us better off uh, and worse off. Those are three emotional biases. I think we also have uh, cognitive biases that, uh, that uh, incline us toward pessimism. Foremost among them, the availability heuristic, a uh, feature of our psychology of probability estimation documented by Amos Tversky in collaboration with Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winning economist and author of, the, of uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, the bestseller. Kahneman and Tversky argued uh, 40 years ago that people, the, the way the one of the ways the human brain estimates probability is by the rule of thumb that the more easily you can recall an example of something, the more probable you estimate it to be. With the uh, result that anything that makes an incident more memorable will make it seem more probable. And here is a, uh, and that means that any factor of human memory, the quirks of the brain's ability to retain information, will bleed over to our estimate of uh, risk and, and likelihood. So events that are more recent will be judged to come from more probable categories. Things that are easy to imagine uh, form a picture in the mind's eye, and uh, things that are easier to retrieve. And they give a, a simple example. Uh, <clears throat> which are more common, words that begin with the letter R or words that have R in the third uh, position? Now, uh, people will say there are, it's more likely that a word will begin than, with R than to have R in the third position. Uh, position. They looked it up. It's the other way around. Uh, but not surprisingly, we retrieve words by their onsets. We don't retrieve words by their uh, third position. So you can ask this of almost any, of any letter in the alphabet, and you'll get the same result. We just can't call words up to mind by any position than the first. And so we always judge words that begin with a particular letter to be more common than words that have a letter in any other position, just because of the quirks of human memory. Now, needless to say, uh, even though on average, things that occur more often will be more memorable. Uh, in any case where that fails to happen, our estimates of probability will be systematically uh, incorrect. Uh, or another way of putting it is that the cognitive psychology of human memory is not the same as the calculation of probability, which is more or less number of occurrences divided by number of opportunities in the long run. Uh, we see the availability heuristic in action uh, all the time. Uh, 
people are more fe fearful of uh, plane crashes, shark attacks, and terrorist bombings, especially if one just happened recently, compared to events like electrocutions, falls, and drownings, which are objectively far greater risks, but tend not to, to make uh, the uh, headlines. Then there's the Pauline Kael effect. Uh, in 1972, after the most, uh, the, the biggest electoral landslide in American presidential history, uh, Pauline Kael, the movie critic of The New Yorker, said, I don't understand how uh, Nixon could have won the election. No one that I know voted for him. <laughs> now, I think all of these psychological biases interact with the nature of news to lead to an overall uh, uh, aura of pessimism. Uh, what is news? News is pretty much by definition things that happen. It's not things that don't happen. If something blows up, that's news. If something doesn't blow up, that's not news. If a high school gets shot up, that's news. If there's another high school that doesn't get shot up, you don't see a reporter uh, in front with a camera and a news truck saying there hasn't been a rampage shooting in front of this high school or the other thousands and thousands of high schools at which a rampage shooting has not taken place. So the news is inherently biased toward violent events because violent events are events, and nonviolent uh, nonviolence is just not an event. Uh, now this is, I think, an even greater distorter than the commonly repeated criticism of uh, news programming policy. If it bleeds, it leads. Although, of course, that is uh, uh, a policy to be made aware of and to criticize. Uh, violence is entertaining. We uh, pay a, a reasonable amount of our disposable income to watch things like Shakespearean tragedies and um, uh, movies in which people get shot and blown up. Um, uh, it's not surprising that when it comes to attracting eyeballs to news sites, the same kind of uh, mayhem that we pay money to see fictionalized, we also pay money to see uh, in fact. Um, also, uh, I think this is multiplied by the fact that the world now has uh, 1.75 billion smartphones increasing exponentially, which means that the world now has 1.75 billion news reporters. Uh, so violent and gory events that would have uh, been trees falling in the forest with no one to hear them uh, uh, as recently as a decade ago now can be filmed in real time and uploaded to the World Wide Web. And all of these traits of the news media stoke the availability heuristic. That is, they give us imaginable, vivid, memorable, recent events to tilt our probability estimates. A uh, final point is that there, this can in turn give rise to a perverse violence news codependency in which people will commit acts of violence precisely because they anticipate how it will be covered in the news. Um, there are uh, at least two categories of violence which are pretty much creations of the news media. Uh, terrorism. Terrorism is a technology for um, extracting the maximum amount of publicity for the smallest amount of violence. By any count, Terrorism accounts for a trivial proportion of the world's deaths by violence, to say nothing of deaths from all causes put together. Uh, the most uh, damaging terrorist event in history was 9-11, which killed fewer than 3,000 people. Um, I mean, that's kind of in the noise when it comes to uh, statistics on homicide or uh, civil wars. And rampage killings. 
Uh, that's another uh, event which probably would not uh, occur or not nearly as much if it weren't for the wall-to-wall uh, -wall news coverage. The way Adam Lankford put it in his book, The, um, uh, the Myth of Martyrdom, uh, here's a, a thought experiment. Let's say you wanted to be famous. Uh, you really wanted to obtain worldwide fame in, say, in some period of time, let's say in the next year or the next you know, week or the next month. What could you do that would guarantee that you would become famous? Well, it would be nice to you know, come up with a cure of a disease, but you know, how many of us can do that? Uh, even circulating a, uh, an internet meme, you know, a cat video. There are lots of people who are uploading cat videos. Very few of them go viral. But he noted that there is one guaranteed way in which any person in this room could be famous, and that is kill a lot of innocent people. Now, because of that uh, feature of life, uh, a market is created for people for whom notoriety is more important than anything else, including uh, life itself. And uh, that feeds a kind of violence that probably would, not, would barely exist if it weren't for the nature of news. So in sum, uh, there's many reasons to think that people tend to be more pessimistic about the world than the evidence warrants. Um, I've suggested that this can be attributed to three emotional biases baked into our psychology, that uh, bad dominates good, the illusion of the good old days, namely we confuse decline in ourselves with decline in the times, and moralistic competition, together with one cognitive bias, the availability heuristic, and that uh, all of these biases uh, interact with the nature of news. News, by definition, concentrates on events rather than non-events. Violence is entertaining. And uh, the world has seen a multiplication of the number of news reporters. Uh, all of them feed the three emotional negativity biases and the availability heuristic. Thanks very much. Steven Pinker is a professor of psychology at Harvard University and author of numerous books. You can watch the full event at cato.org.